receipt for writing a life of Jesus like that of Dr. David Friedrich Strauss by H.B. Hackett. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A. Before you begin, go to an antiquarian bookstore and buy a copy of Lightfoot and Wettstein for the sake of their rabbinic learning, and then fetch from some public library the second part of Haverkamp's Josephus, and opening it at the register, set it on the table before you. B. You are now to task yourself for an introduction. Let it be something written in your finest style, in which you will have much to say about science, origin and his allegorical interpretation and various other matters with some flourishes at least respecting your subject how deeply affecting how beautiful and grand it is though as to historical reality you will not presume to claim a great deal for it c you enter next on the work itself and must commence with special care there are four histories before you from which you are to draw your materials you have nothing to do here with the question whether these books are biographies or compositions of some other kind, whether everything is narrated in the exact order of its occurrence or not, whether all the writers had the same plan or a different one, etc. But you assume without mooting the question at all that these four histories are so many chronological biographies written on entirely the same plan, for the same object, and in the same manner. This, of course, you will not be so simple as to say expressly, but if two of the books happen not to agree at any time, you will proceed just as if that which you do not say were a point taken for granted beyond all dispute. Your readers will be none the wiser for it. Compare Strauss, B.I., page 285-294-407-500-574-650-718-733-738. D. You take up now the contradictions of your four sources. If these are trivial and lie merely in a different mode of representation, then you pretend that, as for yourself, you attach no great importance to them, but at the same time you take care to bring them all forward and to put them in as imposing an attitude as possible. To illustrate this, suppose, for example, you were writing a life of Pharrell. In one of your sources it is said Pharrell was a reformer from Frankfurt, and met with Calvin at Geneva, but in another of them, Calvin came to Geneva, where he saw Pharrell and Viret, and still in a third, Pharrell visited Viret, in whose room was a French traveller, Calvin. Here you reason thus, according to A, Calvin is already in Geneva, and Pharrell finds him there, while according to B and C, Calvin finds Pharrell. According to C, it is Pharrell who calls upon Viret, while according to B, it is Calvin who makes the visit to Pharrell and Viret, According to C, the meeting of Pharrell and Calvin is an accidental one, while according to B, Calvin appears to have sought the interview by design. According to C, the meeting takes place in Viret's room. According to B, it has entirely the appearance, as if it took place in a room which Viret and Pharrell occupied together. Compare Strauss, section 109, 135, and indeed 17 to 143. E. If the contradictions are really great, and such as to indicate to an unprejudiced person that the events which two of the sources relate are entirely different from those related in the two others, you are then either silently to assume the identity of the two accounts, or to seek to render this plausible by urging the points of similarity. In this way you can show off a rich stock of contradictions. Thus, for example, A says, Cages on a certain occasion, met a carriage full of country people who were riding home from a church service. 
Just at that moment an old beggar woman passed by and asked them, they were singing merrily at the time, for a present, but received none. Cajus took out his purse and gave her a few caution. Grateful for his kindness, she kissed his hand and prayed that God would bless him and his family. B, says the wife and children of Cajus, had gone on a certain occasion to visit an aged aunt. Cajus could scarcely wait for their return. Towards evening he went out on the way to meet them, and the carriage soon appeared. The children, when they saw their father, shouted with joy, and on coming nearer he perceives that their aged relative herself sat with them within. He sprang upon the doorstep of the carriage, and full of joy kissed her hand. You put on now a conscientious mien, and discourse after this wise. On account of the differences here, the harmonists have attempted to explain the two different accounts as referring to different transactions. But who does not see the violence of this assumption? Both times we have a cages who goes out to walk, both times a carriage full of people who both times sing and shout, both times cages meets with the carriage, both times a family is mentioned, both times an aged woman figures in the scene, both times the hand is kissed. That the two narrators wished, therefore, to relate one and the same occurrence admits of no question. It is quite another matter whether, in the manner in which they relate it, they do not contradict themselves. According to A, it was a carriage full of people who have no particular connection with cages, peasants it would seem. According to B, they are his children. According to B, the carriage has a doorstep. It was a coach, therefore. According to A, it appears as if it was a common wagon. According to A, the carriage is returning from church service. According to B, from a visit. According to A, the woman is a beggar woman and receives from cages an alms. B not only knows nothing of any alms, but makes the beggar woman his aunt. According to A, it is the woman who kissed his hand, and, indeed, as would seem, upon the ground by the side of the wagon. According to B, it is he who kisses her hand, and in the carriage itself. He who does not perceive now that we have to do here with two secondary distorted accounts of some legendary event does not know what distorted or legendary means. Compare Strauss, sections 89-101, B. 2. Page 95 and elsewhere. F. Nay, even if the time in one authority is expressly different from that in the other, still you must assume the identity of the two events, and now your contradictions will become as plentiful as you can wish. For example, A. says Cajus travelled to Rome in his thirtieth year and saw St. Peter's Church, and B. says Cajus travelled in his fortieth year to Erfurt and visited the Great Clock. Here you find the first contradiction in this, that according to A, Cajus travels to Rome, according to B, to Erfurt, and second in this, that according to A, he sees St. Peter's Church, according to B, the great clock, the third in this, that A and B contradict themselves in reference to the period of life, when Cajus is said to have made the journey in question. Compare Strauss B, 2, 505, and elsewhere g if you find any event related only by a and b but not by d and c you are not to inquire whether a and b may not have had special grounds for mentioning it which the others had not but you say at once c and d know nothing of this event or circumstance compare ex grige strauss b two page four two eight five three six six seven seven six eight six seven two seven seven four four two page twenty forty nine one two three and other places h when three writers who are independent of each other relate an event it must be strange indeed if one of them does not describe it more minutely the others less so this circumstance now you must turn to account 
and always find a climax in the different versions of the story thus for example a says cajus came into the forest and found a wounded stag and healed it b says cajus went out to walk and as he came to the borders of a forest he saw a stag lying there wounded by a thorn which he extracted c says cajus went into a forest to walk and heard a groaning he went in the direction of the noise and saw etc evidently a climax you must now exclaim the locality is designated by a only as a forest by b as the border of the forest and the wound is said to have been occasioned by a thorn c finally has resolved the accidental finding of the animal into a hearing of its groans and a gradual approach to the spot compare strauss b two page one four three and elsewhere i in certain cases you can avail yourself also of another artifice suppose a related a circumstance m and b related the same circumstance but added at the same time attendant circumstances n o p not mentioned in the account of a which are of such a nature however that the circumstance m occurring they must necessarily co ipso have taken place along with it here now you are not to say if the statement of a that m occurred be true then the statement of b that n o p also as necessary consequences of m occurred must likewise be true but you say just the reverse b has merely conjectured the attendant occurrence of n o p for example a says the tree fell to the ground b says the tree fell to the ground its branches were broken to pieces and much of the fruit hanging upon them being loosened by the shock fell off you say now thus b adds to the general fact the breaking of the branches and the falling off of the fruit as accompanying circumstances we need not hesitate long upon the question whence he did know this if the tree fell he said to himself nothing is more likely than that some of the branches were broken off and much of the fruit shaken off compare strauss b two page four ninety k having found now a sufficient number of contradictions between the different accounts of the narrators you pass next to the internal difficulties which lie in each individual history or in the subjective event itself to which the history relates here you enter on a field from which you can gather ample spoils every event is either simple and related only in its most general traits or it is described fully with an enumeration of all its circumstances if the former be the case you then say this plain unadorned representation is perfectly agreeable to the spirit of the primitive legendary age in which the story had its origin but if the latter be the case you say the minuteness with which the narrator has dressed out the event in all its circumstantial drapery shows most clearly that the exaggerating power of tradition has been at work here compare strauss b one page three eight three three nine five b four five zero five six seven six three five seven two eight two twenty four and following thirty six and following and other places proceed in this way and you will never find yourself at a loss you can turn anything into a myth whether stated by your narrator in one form or another say what he will it is myth and myth must remain l a bold and impudent falsification of the facts you will occasionally find very useful by mere assertion or the gratuitous introduction of some trait unknown to your author you can make the particulars of a statement appear entirely contradictory to each other you need have no fear of such a step as if it might be hazardous scores of readers will believe you the sooner for so dashing a manoeuvre thus for example it is said cajus was a faithful father and devoted much time and labour to the education and instruction of his children and in another passage it is related that a son of cajus now grown up met with a man who had previously been his teacher 
You have only now to pervert the first passage, so as to make it affirm expressly that Cajus gave himself all the instruction to his children which they ever received, and then you can ask, how could his son meet with a teacher of his, when he never had any teacher except his own father? M. Another little stratagem to which you can resort is that of constantly putting the question, what was the object, when a thing is so plain as to be evident of itself? If Cajus makes a deep and respectful bow to an aged man who meets him, you must ask, what was the object of that bow? Was it intended merely to please and gratify the old man? But how can it be supposed that a compliment of a stranger would afford an old man so much pleasure? Or did Cajus perform that act in order to express his views respecting the reverence which is due to old age in general? A very good object, certainly, but there was no spectator present to profit by the example, and he would have done better at all events to have inculcated that principle publicly in a compendium of morals. Or will anyone say that it was to this particular individual that he wished to make such a demonstration of his sentiments? This, again, is not without its difficulty. The act being merely a silent one might have been misunderstood, and he would have been surer of his object to have explained it in express terms. And besides, what interest could he have in forcing upon a stranger, in so hasty a manner, an expression of his views upon a moral subject of this nature? Compare Strauss, B. 1, page 221, 261, 290, etc. N. It will be found that in the whole course of a history, certain particular circumstances occur frequently, though in every separate passage where they are mentioned they are sufficiently explained. The causes which occasion their recurrence are always either specified or intimated. In such cases you must make it a point to take these circumstances out of their connection and to represent them as proceeding from a studied design of the writer, consequently as a pure invention on his part. If, for example, one of your sources relates in a certain place that Cages, returning from a walk, sat down to table, and again in two other passages that he went out, on two different occasions before dinner, induced indeed every time so to do by special reasons, you must then say, it appears to have been a standing rule with Cajus to walk or go out before dinner. Who does not see in this design of the writer to distinguish Cajus from other men, since he represents him as going out for exercise in the forenoon, while the general practice is to do this in the afternoon? Compare Strauss B. 2, page 585, where John's outrunning Peter is said to be one of a series of incidents introduced for the purpose of conferring a superiority upon John over Peter. For other similar manoeuvres of Strauss, see the author's work, Teil 1, section 78, 4. O. If you find that any difficult point has not been satisfactorily explained hitherto by any commentator, you need not ask whether it can be thus explained, but you select two from the entire number of the different explanations offered, which distinctly contradict each other, and both of which are untenable. You now reason thus, this explanation is impossible, that also is impossible, the matter therefore is inexplicable. Compare Strauss B. 2, page 226 and following. P. But it is time to remind you of your learning. You have no conception what an effect it has nowadays to see a mass of citations in a book under the text. Ah, I understand that, you say, but where shall I obtain this learning? I have not read either Josephus or, to confess the truth, a great deal of anything else. My dear friend, that makes no difference. The exegetical manuals of Paulus, de Wetter, Euschausen, and some antiquated commentaries and monographs you have already studied somewhat, 
Wettstein and Lightfoot lie before you, your own Wiener's Bible Dictionary, and luckily Havacamp's Josephus has several capital registers. You need not suppose it necessary to have read everything which you quote, heaven forbid. Wherever you find citations in Wiener, in Paulus, or elsewhere, copy them off without misgiving. They are lawful plunder. Only think what a learned man the world will take you to be. How must such a hope fire your soul? But it may not be amiss to be a little particular in my instructions here. You begin with Paulus. Here you labour at one point. You must amuse your reader with examples of his style of forced interpretation, and show at great length how very unnatural his natural explanations are. Oishausen you approach in a different way. He is not, confessedly, free from faults. His greatness consists not so much in the acuteness of his harmonistic talent, as in depth of Christian feeling, and in his power of developing the spiritual fullness of the divine word. In this respect his name marks an era in criticism. As a reformer of the shallow, insipid exegesis which rationalism had brought into vogue, he stands by the side of Schleiermacher and Neander, who produced a similar revolution in dogmatics and church history. His merits, however, you must overlook, and attack him upon his weak side. You must hunt up as many instances as possible of his unsuccessful attempts to harmonize the evangelists, and point at them the shafts of your keenest ridicule and satire. In Lightfoot, you must seek bravely for rabbinic passages, whenever and wherever you can. In Josephus, whenever the name of a city or any single political event comes in your way, you must scan the register and happy will you find yourself to be if josephus does not mention this name or event you then trumpet it forth in triumph as proof that josephus knew nothing of it whether the name or event was important enough to be mentioned by him you need not trouble yourself to ask nor as to the plan of josephus of which you are ignorant need you make any inquiry you take it for granted that josephus must record everything what does not stand in the register of josephus did not exist it is something which never took place Q finally you are to read through also the apocryphal gospels do not be alarmed it will not cost you much time the most ridiculous distortions and caricatures of the life of jesus which you find there you will sedulously collect and present them as parallel to the simplest biblical narrations you can safely assume that the majority of your readers have not read these apocryphal compositions in full and so will not perceive as they otherwise would the utter irrelevancy of these pretended parallelisms Thus, for example, if a person reads in one book, Cajus was very old, and when he went abroad, two of his sons were accustomed to lead him, and in another book, Cajus was over a thousand years old, was so weak that he could not move a limb, but his sons took him upon their shoulders and bore him about, and his beard grew to be more than forty ells long. Everyone sees that the first is a sober statement, but the second an absurd tale. You must place them both, however, as parallel to each other thus— Cajus is said according to a to have become very old we find precisely the same in the apocryphal book b where we find even the number of his years mentioned as one thousand and the length of his beard as forty ells long both accounts agree also in respect to the great bodily weakness which the old man suffered at this advanced period since according to a he was led by his sons while in b this legendary incident is already magnified into his being carried by his sons one might attempt indeed to reconcile this by saying that he was at first led and afterwards as his weakness increased that he was carried but it is manifest that we have before us merely a mythic picture in both accounts compare strauss b one page two to six and following and such stuff can it be supposed that my readers will receive with patience my dear friend 
should you apply this mode of proceeding to any ordinary history containing nothing of a miraculous nature no one indeed would believe what you say nay the world would consider you as absolutely mad but if you apply it to a section of the bible to a supernatural history you may be sure of a legion of admirers who will stand up ready to catch up your words and echo them with thoughtless applause observe well it is against the miracles alone that the scepticism in this case is directed these men would at all hazards discredit and cancel from the records of truth and any procedure which is designed to explain the sources of the evangelical history as unhistorical they applaud as an exhibition of the greatest mental acuteness whereas were it applied to any other writing they would undoubtedly pronounce it uncritical and nonsensical one word more i beg to add in conclusion in some persons there is still left a spark of that weakness which is called reverence for the bible so long as this weakness exists it will stand in your way counteracting the impression which your investigations are intended to produce seek therefore on every possible occasion to weaken and destroy it the practised eye will not fail to discern such opportunities such passages for instance as matthew seventeen twenty four to twenty seven twenty one ten etc you will not suffer to pass unimproved for this purpose in particular i would remind you that the cross on golgotha is the place where the saviour of men was mocked eighteen hundred years ago and where it will be especially seemly to renew that derision if any one has a disposition for it at the present day go thou now and do in like manner i will give thee the whole world if thou wilt fall down and worship me and your eyes shall be opened and ye shall become as gods probatum est end of receipt for writing a life of jesus like that of dr david friedrich strauss by h b hackett